Bibles tonight, if you would, Psalm 35. Psalm 35, as we're making our way through the uh, Hebrew hymn book, the 150 Psalms of the Hebrew Psalter. And uh, we're in the first book of Psalms, the Genesis Psalms. It teaches us that every good thing begins with God. Aren't you glad that God is at work in our lives tonight? He's faithful. Psalm 35. I see the doctor tomorrow and hopefully we'll uh, find out what the next step is. And so look forward to that appointment tomorrow afternoon. Appreciate your prayers. I'm much improved. I, I was feeling really good Sunday and I could tell it as I was preaching Sunday night and, and uh, overdid it and paid for it Monday, Tuesday. Today's better and I'm realizing you've got to ease back into this thing. You don't just jump back into it. I know it doesn't have anything to do with being over 50 years of age, but uh, that has nothing to do with it. I'm sure it's got everything to do with the area of the body, the back that it's dealing with, you know, because it moves all the time. So I'm sure that's what the problem is, All right, Psalm 35, you should be there. This is a lengthier psalm, 28 verses long. Not going to deal with every verse, but we will hit the main portions of the psalm. Look if you would, Psalm 35 verse 1. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler. Shield's a large shield, a buckler, a small shield that you would hold in the hand. And the shield in front of it is one that it would encircle you. And he goes on to say, and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and, and stop the way against them that persecute me, saying, God, throw up some barriers and, and some protections in my life. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded or confused that put to shame, that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought, brought to confusion that devise and strategize and plot my hurt. Let them be as chaff. The whole of the wheat before the wind, it gets blown away. And let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Another word to pursue after them. Uh, to pursue after, to fight against. Verse 7, For without cause have they hid for me the net in a pit, which, thou call, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares. And let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction. What did they devised for me? Uh, let them fall into it. Let him fall. Verse 9, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. When you come to Psalm 35, the structure of the psalm, is it easily divides into three parts or three stanzas. They're all marked by a chorus of praise to God. You'll have the first stanza is verses 1 through 9. Notice in verse 9 there is a, uh, there's a, a moment of praise. David stops and he says, "...in my soul shall be joyful in the Lord." He shall rejoice in his salvation. Stanza number 2 begins in verse 10, goes all the way down to verse number 17. I believe verse 17 is the key verse of the entire psalm. Notice what he says, verse 17. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Lord, you see what's going on in my life. Lord, you, you understand, you know. Aren't you glad God knows tonight? He's saying, God, how long wilt thou look on? God, I need you. Rescue my soul from their destructions. My darling, he's talking about the, the preciousness of his life. My, my darling, my life from the lions. 
Look at verse 18. Here's our, our moment of praise. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. So you find now, he's joyful, verse 9. He's thankful, verse number 18. Third stanza of the psalm begins in verse number 19. Goes all the way to verse number 28. Notice verse 28, another moment of praise. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day. He said, God, I know you're going to come to my aid and my rescue. And God, I'm going to praise you throughout the day. I tell you what, we ought to just make it our business to praise God from, from beginning to end. Wouldn't you agree with that? When you come to Psalm 35, you've already noticed it's a psalm of conflict. There's battle. There, there's battling going on. Now, here's what you're going to learn. That in the spiritual realm, realm, worshiping and warring go together. They, they go together. Uh, you, you see this throughout the history of God's people in the Old Testament. Let me give you some illustration of that. Exodus chapter 14, uh, just the previous uh, chapter, Israel has come through the Red Sea. They, they've come out of Egypt. They, they were there hemmed in against the Red Sea by Pharaoh's army. God intervenes. And, and, and the Bible uh, says that He parts the ocean, the Red Sea. They walk across on dry ground. And then uh, the, the, uh, as the Pharaoh's army pursues after them, God allows the ocean to come back and drown them. Come to chapter 14. See, there's war. Come to chapter 14, there's worship. You have the song of Miriam and, 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 the, and the women as they begin to sing and lead Israel in a moment of praise. And, and they talk about how that the Lord is a man of war and, and, and how He's triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider He's cast into the sea. War and worship. Joshua chapter 5, that we don't have to turn there. Uh, Joshua and the children of Israel getting ready to uh, enter into the land of Canaan and they're, they're, they're standing in their ways, the city of Jericho. They have to conquer Jericho to be able to go into the land and take it. There he meets the captain of the Lord's host. He falls before him in worship. Worship. War going together. You can read the books of First and Second Samuel, the Kings, the Chronicles, and, and and Israel when facing the enemy would worship before the battle and after the battle. There would be praise and and and, and asking God for the victory, and then after the battle's over, they would take the time to praise God for the victory being won. And so you find that war and worship go together. You're going to see in this psalm war and worship going together. David's in a battle. He's facing the enemy. He's in a fight. He's in a time of peril. And, and, and you find that he's uncertain of the outcome. You know, it's interesting the number of times you begin to study the Psalms and, and you find the psalmist who's in a battle. You know, we find ourselves like that, don't we? We find our way, ourselves battling our way through life. We have personal battles and health battles and financial battles and work battles and family battles, whether it's marital or, or parental dealing with children or maybe extended family. Friend battles as, as maybe someone that you've been close to, they turn against you for whatever reason. And, and then, then there's times that we have emotional battles and spiritual, just battling through life. We're like Jacob, all these things are against me. Battling and battling. We know there's a story behind every psalm, don't we? When you come to Psalm 35, we're not told the exact occasion when David penned this psalm. But most Bible scholars would agree that it was during the, the, the young adult years of his life. He's a young warrior in Saul's court. I believe you could write down in your notes or the margin of your Bible, the scriptural setting would be 1 Samuel 18 through 20, chapters 18 through 20. David has won a great victory, slain the Philistine giant, the Goliath of Gath. 
Israel has routed the Philistine armies. They return in a, in, 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 to Jerusalem riding in a victory parade. And David is side by side with King Saul at the head of the army. The women come out. They begin to sing, Saul has slain his thousands. David is tens of thousands. Saul begins to allow envy and jealousy to rise up in his heart. He sees David suddenly as a threat to his kingdom. God's already told him that that there's going to come a moment, Saul, I, I would have given you the kingdom forever, but because of your disobedience, I'm going to take the kingdom from you and I'm going to give it to another man that's worthy of that, a man after my own heart. David maybe is that man. Saul doesn't know all that at this moment, but he begins to, in his heart, it begins to come into his mind. Maybe it's this man that God has used to bring a victory. And he begins to hate David and become jealous of David. And the heart begins to turn against him. And David, listen, not only was David facing Saul, but those that were loyal to Saul, they weren't just loyal to Saul, but they loathed David. David had risen up in the ranks. He's now captain of the Lord's host. He's standing in their way. And they're going to, to inflame Saul to, to destroy David. He thought they were his friends. But now they've rose up against him as his enemies. Notice, and I'm going to quickly work our way through the psalm. Look at verse 1. They fought against him. Look what he says. He says, strive with me that fight against them that fight against me. Did you see that? Look at verse number 4. They plot against him. Look at the last phrase. They that devise my heart. They're strategizing and plotting and conspiring uh, the, the destruction of David. Look down at verse number 7. They seek to entrap him. For without, mer- without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit. They've dug a pit like you would catch an animal. Put a net in it. They They were going to entrap him. Look over verse 11. They falsely accuse him. Look verse 11. False witness did rise up and laid to my charge. They they accused me of things that I knew not. I wasn't aware of. Look in verse 20. They begin to stir up the people. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. They're, they're, they're beginning to turn the people against David and, and, and seek to, to, uh, to, to discredit him uh, before them. Look at verse 25. They, they want to devour him. Look at verse 25. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, ah, or so would we have it. Let them not say we have swallowed him. Do you see that? We have swallowed him up. Look verse 21, back over there, they're, they're mocking Him. Yea, they opened their mouth wide against Me and said, Aha! Aha! Our eye has seen it. They're, they're mocking Him. And then they gloat over Him. Look over at verse 26. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at My hurt. Oh, they're, they're gloating and, and they're living in glee that they have David. It's interesting when you come to verse 17. I'm just sort of laying the foundation. You come to verse 17. David's going to compare his enemies to lions. Look what he says. He said, rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the lions. It's interesting the number of times in the Psalms that uh, the enemies compared to a lion. We saw that in Psalm 91 when he talked to, when, when Moses, if he's the uh, writer of that Psalm, talked about treading on the lions and the adder. Spoke of the lions. Look, look back chapter 22. Would you do that? Go to chapter 22. Hear, hear the Lord Jesus, prophetic of the Lord Jesus. Chapter 22, those that have fought against Him 
Find, if you would, verse 13. They gaped upon me with their mouth as a ravening and a roaring lion. Did you see that? You're going to find it again. Look at fifty, chapter 57, Psalm 57, and, and find verse number 4. There's other instances. We'll just look at these. Psalm 57, verse number 4. Look what he says here. Psalm 57 and, and verse number 4. My soul is among lions. Oh, he's in the midst of them. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. They're, they're like lions' teeth to devour me. With their words, they're bringing hurt. They, they want to tear me to pieces. Did you see that? Christian, you have an enemy tonight. 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. David found himself in the midst of lions. How often is it that, that the lion is, is, is at work in our lives, seeking to devour us? We all at times face the enemy, don't we? David's enemy was seen. Oh, most often our enemy is unseen. Oh, there's times that it's people. I understand that. Maybe on the job, in our family, uh, maybe out in the community, maybe a friend, maybe whatever it might be that, that, that that's suddenly turned against me or, or they become our enemy. Uh, can I help you understand that, that they're not the issue? The, the, the battle, we don't battle with flesh and blood. we got to look beyond the person. They're just a pawn in the hand of the one who's truly battling against us, who's seeking uh, the, our demise and the spiritual destruction of our lives, and that's the devil. Friend, he's a roaring lion. He, he, he's seeking whom he may devour. That, that's what we see. David tells us what to do when we face the enemy. All of us face enemies in life. Maybe you're facing the enemy tonight. Maybe Satan's at work in your life. Maybe it's through an individual. Maybe it's through a situation, a circumstance. Maybe it's through a temptation. But Satan, you're battling the enemy. Maybe you feel like all these things are against me. Satan can use the trials of life that make it seem like that we're just battling, battling, battling. And it seems like life's going to swallow us up and discourage us and cause us... Preacher, what do you do when you face the enemy? Well, let me give you some thoughts tonight out of this psalm very quickly. Number one, when you face the enemy... Enemy, let God fight for you. Amen. Let God fight for you. David didn't take matters into his own hands. Oh, they were arrayed against him. They were speaking terrible things, bringing, hurling accusations, spreading rumors and lies, setting traps for him, doing everything they could to bring him down. But here's what he understood. The battle is the Lord's. Christian, let me have you understand something. When you face the enemy in whatever arena of life that it is, the battle is the Lord's. How often we're tempted when someone strikes out against us for us to strike back and take matters into our own hands rather than giving it to the Lord. David tells the Lord all about it. Look at verse number 1. He said, plead my cause. God, I, I need you to come to this situation. Oh Lord, with them that strive, that contend with me, fight against them that fight against me. God, I need you in the battle. How often we are, do we fight, try to fight the battle in our own wisdom, our own strength, our own ability, only to end in failure or defeat or make a mess of the situation. David pleads with the Lord. Look at verse 3, or excuse me, verse 2. Take hold of shield and buckler. Stand up for mine help. God, I, I need you. 
Lord, I need you to fight for me. Look, verse 3, draw out also the spear and stop the way. Uh, God raised some barriers against them that person, saying to my soul, Lord, encourage me that you're going to deliver me. Then he begins to say in verse number 4, Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise and strategize and plot my hurt. Lord, I need you to fight for me. I'm reminded of Nehemiah when they were building the walls and Sanballat and Tobiah and the people of the land were were seeking to weaken their hands and to prevent the the building of the wall. And and he said we had a a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And, And he encouraged the people. He said, listen, he said, our God shall fight for us. Dear child of God tonight, let me remind you, your God will fight for you. He will. He will. Psalm 34 and 35 are companion psalms. They're called twin psalms. They go together. It's interesting, they're the only two psalms that mention the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. Whenever you study the Bible, you ought to always be looking for Jesus. And you find Him here in the angel of the Lord. We're going to see that. Look look at chapter 34, Psalm 34. Would you go back there, Psalm 34? And we're going to go back here a couple times. Look at verse number 7. Psalm 34, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about about them that fear Him and delivereth. Aren't you glad that the Lord encamps about us? Aren't you glad that that God is is caring for us and and delivers us? Oh, taste and see. So we find that here the the angel of the Lord is protecting us. Then go back to Psalm 35 and look again at verse number 5. The angel of the Lord is mentioned twice. I underlined it in my Bible. Let them be as chaff, the, the hole of the wheat before the wind. It blows it. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. God, chase them away like, like the wind blowing the chaff. Now one of the things you need to understand when you read the Psalms and, and the Proverbs, Hebrew poetry is not based on rhyme. Uh, English poetry is. It's all about rhyming. And, but not in, it's not. It's parallelism. What it is is uh, a truth will be stated and then they'll state it again for emphasis. And, and so uh, the, the, the two verses, uh, so, uh, excuse me, the two phrases in verse 5 go together. Let them be as chaff like the whole of the wheat being blown with the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. What he's saying is, God, let them be blown away. You scatter them, God. Scatter my enemies. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 6. Let their way be dark and slippery. Lord, don't let, don't let them have any footing. Don't let them have any light to be able to see their way to bring about my destruction. And let the angel of the Lord persecute them to pursue and fight against them. So in Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord is protecting us. Uh, in Psalm 35, he's pursuing the enemy. Puts the enemy to flight. I love what the Bible says that when the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the angel of the Lord lift up a, or the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Psalm 35 is interesting if you're jotting down notes, it's imprecatory. Imprecatory. I-M-P-R-E, imprecatory. I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. There, there's, there's psalms that are what we call imprecatory psalms. There, there, there's psalms in a nature where David is praying for God to judge his enemies. You see that here. Notice verse 4, let them be confounded, put to shame. Verse 5, let them be as chaff before the wind, chase them. Verse 6, let their way be dark and slippery, let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Uh, Look down in verse 8, let destruction come upon him at unawares and let his net that he hath hid catch himself. So you find him praying the judgment of God upon the enemy. Now let me help you understand something. This is not a prayer for personal vengeance. 
Somebody's saying, I like that. Maybe I need to make David's prayer my prayer. I've got some enemies and I think I want God to dig a pit for them and let them fall in it. Let them experience a little bit of what they're handing out to me. No. That's not David's heart. You say, well, preacher, what's his heart? We'll look at verse 12. You'll see it. They rewarded me evil for good. David said, I've been good to them. To the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I, 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 I humbled myself and I fasted and I prayed. That's what I did. Look at verse 14. I, I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily. I was burdened for him as one mourneth for his mother. But look at verse 15. But in mine adversity they rejoiced. Did you see? David's heart wasn't one of vengeance. David was one of brokenness and, and burden. Well, preacher, that don't make sense. It's not flowing together. What is that? You see, imprecatory prayers are prayers for divine justice. That's what it is. David is the anointed of the Lord. He, he was God's divinely anointed future king. And, and, and to fight against David was to fight against God. By the way, you know what, what the Lord told Saul when, when he arrested him on the road to Damascus? Remember what he said? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You're not just persecuting my people. You're persecuting. What you're doing to them is what you're doing to me. And so David is praying for divine justice. Listen, what we need to do is pray for divine justice in our land. That's what we need to pray for. That God would bring about His judgment and His righteousness and His justice to the situation. It's not our vengeance. It's God's justice that we seek after. On more than one occasion, David states his innocence. Look at verse 7. He said in the last part of it, which without cause have they digged for my soul. Look at verse 11. False witnesses to rise up, they laid to my charge. Things I, I didn't even know what they were talking about. These things are not true of my life. Look down at verse 19. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. God, what they're saying is not right. What they're doing is wrong. Look over at verse 28. He said, and my t- uh, excuse me, I, I think I, my computer made a mistake. There's another place in, in, our, in our text. And my mind's working through here about, about without cause. It's, it's there. It's, in, it's in, uh, in, in these verses, in this passage. And, and David talks about how that, that, that he's innocent of what they're charging him of. It didn't mean he was sinlessly perfect. What it did mean is that, that he was in a situation to where he was innocent of what, what, what they were charging, accusing him of. David wasn't going against Saul. David had every opportunity later to take Saul's life and he refused to do it. David took the high road. Listen to me, dear child of God. When you are facing the enemy, always take the high road and let God do the fighting. That's what you do. If you want God to fight for you, you've got to take God's side against yourself and make sure that your heart's right against God. Number one, let God fight for you. Number two, let God deliver you. Look at verse number 10. He said, All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which deliverest the poor from him that is too strong? God, I'm weak. Lord, they're, they're too strong for me. Lord, I, I, I don't have the strength to, to win the battle. You ever, you ever feel like you don't have any strength? 
You ever feel like that, that life's just wrung you out and there's nothing left? That, that the enemy's too great for you? That's what David's saying. Lord, verse 17, how long wilt thou look on God? You see what's going on. Rescue me from these lines. I love verse number 10. Look at it. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him? I want you to notice those bones. Those bones have a message. He's not going to just talk about the bones of David. Remember these two psalms go together? They're companion psalms. But he also talks about the bones of Christ. Look over at chapter 30, excuse me, Psalm 34. Look back to Psalm 34. Find verse number 20. Told you always be looking for Jesus. Look at verse 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Do you know that's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus? It's messianic in nature. It's prophetic. It spoke of David's greater son, the Lord Jesus, so to find its fulfillment at Calvary. We won't turn there, but you can go to John 19. They're the soldiers after they have, have beaten and crucified and abused the Son of God. They've mocked Him. As a matter of fact, you can take this psalm and you can overlay the Lord Jesus and you see Him here. David may not have been purely innocent. He, he, he wasn't sinless, but the Son of God was. Isn't that right? And you see that, that David was wrongly fought against... By the way, the Lord Jesus was wrongly mistreated too, wasn't He? Oh, when you go to the Psalms, be looking for Christ. Just overlay Him into the picture and you see Him and, and He begins to come out and you begin to, to see the parallel. And the Lord Jesus is there. And, and you remember the soldiers, because it's a high day, it's a, it, it's a, it's a religious day, they, they, they come to the, the, the two thieves on either side of the Son of God. They break their legs so that it would hasten their death. When they come to the middle cross, they break not the legs of the Lord Jesus because He was dead already. One of the soldiers is going to take a spear and thrust it into his side and the blood and the water is going to come out. Here's what John, who was an eyewitness, said. He said, for these things, talking about the, the spear and the blood and the water coming out of the Son of God, the not breaking of his legs, he said, for these things were done that the Scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. Think about it. Jesus suffered every type of wound imaginable, yet not one of His bones were broken. Look back at verse number 20 again of, of thir Psalm 34. He keepeth all His bones. God, a thousand years before Jesus ever went to the cross, said, listen, when it comes time for my son to die, they may wound him and hurt him and injure him, but they'll not break one bone of his. Now, I'll keep all of His bones. You come all the way, fast forward. John chapter 19, the Son of God suffering in real time. Not one bone is broken. God kept His Word, didn't He? Now come, now come on down. Look, look, look at verse number uh, 10 and verse number 35. All my bones. Do, do you see it? Christ's bones, my bones. The Lord kept all of His bones. David said, all my bones shall say, Lord... Who is like unto thee? You know what he's saying? God, you're true. God, you keep your word. Lord, you're forever faithful. What you promise, you'll perform. God, I can trust you. Dear child of God, I want you to listen to me. When you face the enemy, your God is forever faithful. You can trust Him tonight. He will not fail you. He will fight for you. He saw His Son through, and He'll see you through. Hey, He brought Him through the battle, and He'll bring you through the battle. 
Doesn't mean the battle won't be hot. Doesn't mean it won't be difficult. Doesn't mean it won't be hurtful. Doesn't mean any of that. But here's what it does mean. It does mean that your God will fight for you and your God will bring you through. To prove His faithfulness, He pointed to His own Son. As assuredly as I took care of my Son, I'll take care of you. The same God that brought His Son through will bring us through. The unbroken bones, someone said, remind us of the unbroken promises of God. Aren't you glad God always keeps His Word tonight? What do I do when I face the enemy? Preacher, number one, let God fight for you. Number two, let God deliver you. Number three, jot this down, let God defend you. Look down at verse number 24. Judge me, O Lord my God. Now that word judge me doesn't mean God put me in judgment. That word judge there means to vindicate. He's saying defend me. Vindicate me. God, come to my defense according to thy righteousness and let them not rejoice over me. Did you see that? You know, whenever we're attacked or slandered or criticized or someone either blatantly or subtly writes something about us or our family or on social media, do you know what our natural reaction is? To defend ourselves, isn't it? Isn't that right? Somebody says something hurtful, somebody criticizes you, somebody says something hurtful about your family, somebody cuts you down, somebody cuts where you go to church down. Immediately, we want to attack. Attack. I've said it many times. I wrote in the flyleaf of my Bible as a, as a young preacher, listening to Dr. Ron Comfort preach, just celebrate his 85th birthday. Here, here, here's what he said, no attack, no defense. No attack. If I don't attack you, I don't have to defend myself. No attack, no defense. You see, if we're not careful, we, 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 we want to expose them and, and set the record straight, don't we? We want to vindicate ourselves. That's not who I am. You're wrong. That's what we want to do. But here's the danger. The danger is that when we start giving back, we start trying to defend ourselves, that it turns into our trying to avenge ourselves. And we begin to say hurtful words about the person that hurt us. We begin to lash out in kind. And when we do that, we're taking the place that God hasn't given us. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 and 20, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. I've had many a thing said about me on Facebook. I have. It first came out. I'm telling you what, I wanted as far away as I could do with that thing. Somebody said, you read Facebook? I said, I don't want to. Because, see, it's real easy to hide behind a computer and say things and hurl criticism and be upset and just tell people what you think. Because we're back over here and and we feel like we're safe when we say it. And, 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 and and, And I remember... Back a number of years ago, I mean, I was literally taking a beating on Facebook. I mean, everywhere I turned. And somebody said, well, preacher, why don't you get on there and defend yourself? I, I made this statement. At that time, it was over 25 years in ministry. Now it's over 30. And I said, if 25 years of living for God and building a testimony doesn't say something, there's not one thing I'll write on there that's going to change anybody's mind. No attack, no defense.
My testimony and your testimony is what will defend you. As long as God knows, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody... As long as God knows, that's what matters. What does God know of me? What does God think of me? What does God say of me? That's what matters. Not what they say. And that's what you have to remember. For it is written, God said, Give place unto wrath. Anger begins to well up. It's when we get back at them. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know what David's saying? Lord, that's not my department. <laughs> you, you do the repaying. I'm going to let you defend me. Christian, here's what you need to do. When, when somebody attacks you, social media, verbally, whatever it might be, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about defending ourselves from someone seeking our physical harm. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Criticism, unjust judgment, ugly slander. Give it to the Lord. Let Him handle it. In His time, He will defend you. He'll defend you. Preacher, what do you do when you face the enemy? Number one, let God fight for you. Number two, let God deliver you. Number three, let God defend you. Let's finish with this tonight. Are you ready? Number four, let us not forget to praise Him. Remember, I told you worship and war go together. You can sing your way through the battle. Did you know that? You can. On three different occasions in this psalm, David sang with a heart filled with praise. And, 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 And let me just tell you something. Praise is a choice. Look at verse number 9. He said, and my soul shall be... He didn't feel like being joyful. I mean, he's being attacked. The enemy's laying traps for him. They're telling vicious lies and spreading rumors and gossip and, and charging him falsely. It was a terrible time. But he said, God, I will rejoice. I, I, I will. I'm, I'm going to do it. Did you see that? Look at verse 18. He said, I will give thee thanks. He didn't feel like being thankful. But he, but he said, I will. It's a choice. I will give thee thanks. When, when the people come together, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publicly and verbally thank you. God, that's what I'm going to do. Look at verse number 28. And my tongue shall. Did you see that? Shall. Will. Shall. It's a choice. It's a choice. We choose to praise Him. Preacher, how do you sing in the battle? Well, you just do what David did. Let me give it to you. We're done. Be joyful. Verse number 9, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. I'm just going to rejoice in what God's done in my life and what God's going to do in my life. You know what? We may not be able to rejoice over every circumstance. There's times that we face times of trial and difficulty and adversity and, and people fight against us. We feel like we're battling our way through life in so many different areas. And I may not be able to rejoice over every circumstance, but I can rejoice in my God. But rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice. You can rejoice in His promises. You can rejoice in His care in your life. Nehemiah put it this way in that battle. I think it's Nehemiah chapter 8 verse number 10 in your notes. The joy of the Lord. He was saying to the, to the people on the walls that were battling and building, the joy of the Lord is your... Hey, I know you're weak. I know you're weary. I know the enemy is relentless. Hey, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice in our God. Christian, I'm going to tell you one of the good things about church is I tell you what, there's times that the devil tries to keep us staying at home. We're weary on a Wednesday night, maybe on a Sunday night, on Sunday afternoon we get home after church and we throw our feet up and the devil says, why don't you just stay here you can watch it from home. Just stay here. 
But I'm going to tell you, I, I spent those days watching, and I didn't like it. I mean, I enjoyed watching the service. I was blessed through the preaching, and there was times I rejoiced in it, and I was thankful. But I'm going to tell you, when you come here, you ever just come to church, you really wish, you, you, you know, you're, you're right, I don't, you know, you wish you'd have stayed at home, and then you get into the service, and suddenly the songs begin, and the encouragement starts, and you leave, and you're, I'm so glad I can, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The next time you don't think you're going to make it, you're having a tough day, you don't think the day's ever going to end, why don't you start with a song and just rejoice in the Lord? It'll be amazing and how He'll pick up your step. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Not only be joyful, next be thankful. Look verse 18. He said, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee. Did you know thanksgiving and praise go together? And by the way, we don't have to just talk about thanksgiving and praise in November. That's about the only time preachers preach on that subject. But yet I find it throughout the Bible. God wants His people to be a thankful people. Can I help us to teach our children to be thankful? You ought to demand your children to say thank you. You ought to do that. You ought to learn to say thank you. Model it. Maybe, maybe our meals to say to our wives, thank you. She could let me go hungry. You say, well, preacher, you can cook. She could let me go hungry. McDonald's just don't get it all the time. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, I thought about this as I was meditating on this passage today. No matter the situation, there's always something we can be thankful for. I remember sitting in a in Baptist hospital with, with chemotherapy flowing, uh, uh, flowing into my veins. I remember as the, as, the, as the chemotherapy would go in, I felt like my life was going out. It just, just took the life out of you. It's so easy to complain. But I would walk out of there because... And I would be thankful because I would see someone over in the next room that was in much worse shape than me. It was amazing how it wasn't long ago I became a chaplain. <laughs> became a chaplain. One of the ladies would say, Can you pray with that folks over there before you go? I get to go over there and pray and minister to them. But I, I would find something. God would say, listen, I'm taking care of you. They're not going to make it. You need to go over there. Y'all, you, you better be thankful. No matter our situation, there's always something that we can be thankful for, isn't there? We just have to take the time to find it. How much easier it is for me to complain than to give thanks. You, you, you really want to win the battle? Then don't forget to praise Him. Be joyful. Be thankful. And here's the last one. Be thoughtful. Verse 28, I was trying to think of how this would flow as I was meditating on And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Now, here's what I noticed in that verse, alright? David didn't just... For 27 verses, he's talked to God. Did you see that? Verse 28, he starts talking about God. You see it? 27 verses, God. He's talking to the Lord. Now He begins to talk about the Lord. If you're going to talk about God, you have to be thoughtful of God. Isn't that right? We talk about what's on our heart. And if God's on your heart, you'll talk about Him. If I'm thoughtful of God, then I'm going to be able to share about God. 
And David said, I'm gonna, my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness, God, that you're always right. You always do right. Lord, I'm being wronged, but God, you're right. And I know you're going to do right because that's who you are. God, you're good to me. In your time, you're going to fight for me and deliver me and defend me. Oh, the enemy's going to come, Christian. The battles are going to come. What are you going to do when you face the enemy? Why don't you let God fight for you? And why don't you let God deliver you? And why don't you let God defend you? And all through the battle, why don't you sing through the battle and don't forget to praise Him by being joyful and thankful and thoughtful. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're in the battle tonight. Maybe God spoke to you. Maybe you need to be like David and tell it to Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. I thank You for how You challenge us and teach us through a man by the name of David. That, Lord, You let him go through battles so that You can face the enemy, so that You can teach us to face the enemy. Lord, our our battles are so different. Nobody's throwing a javelin at us. Nobody's trying to kill us. But yet, Lord, there's probably some folk out here that somebody's hurling accusation and false charges and plotting how they can take them down so they can get ahead. Other times we're battling our health or our emotions or, or, or our enemy, the devil, an unseen enemy. God, we just battle, battle, battle. But I'm glad you fight for us and deliver us and defend us. Help us tonight not to forget to praise you because you're faithful. Lord, help me each day to be joyful, to make it my business to rejoice my heart in you, to be thankful each day for what you do in my life, how good you are, and then, Lord, to speak of you to others because you're a good God and you always do right. Thank you, Lord, in your time you're going to bring us through the battle and you'll vindicate and defend us and deliver us because you're faithful. Lord, I'm glad the battle's yours tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Stand to our feet tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You have a need, you want to bring it to the Lord, the altar is open. Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I don't know the Lord. Can I tell you, you're in a wonderful place tonight and somebody can take a Bible and show you how you can be saved tonight. Know your sins are forgiven. Christian, you have a need, you bring it to the Savior. You come tonight. way. Wow. How many of you needed that tonight? Praise the Lord. I sure needed it. That was a blessing. Praise God for that.
Um, Pastor mentioned that he's not. He told me to tell you he's not going to be at the door tonight. Sure, sorry about that. He said, but I hope hopefully he'll be back there very soon. His heart to say his heart is to say hello to everybody. But thank you for being patient in that. Chris Persinger, could you make your way up here, sir, and get ready to close us in prayer? Um, apologies in advance. Give me two minutes. We're in a very busy season here in October, so just give me two minutes. And I'll get you out. We got a lot of announcements. Um, ladies, tomorrow night is the ladies' candle swap, six thirty p.m in the gymnasium. Here's a couple things. If you haven't registered yet tonight, you still have time. Go to the table in the foyer. Two things you got to bring with you tomorrow night. Bring a covered dish, okay? What's a covered dish? Okay, food, all right? And then number two, bring a jar candle to swap, okay? So tomorrow night, 6.30, please register tonight at the table, and then bring a covered dish and a candle to swap. Young at Hearts, if, uh, make sure that you be reminded about the Cody Creek dinner this Saturday. 3.15, if you're meeting at the church, to leave in the van, or if you're meeting at Cody Creek, 4 o'clock, if you haven't signed up tonight, is the last opportunity. Go by the Information Center and sign up there. Number three, Young at Hearts, uh, you are going to Amish Country, Pennsylvania, May 6th through the 8th, 2024. They're showing Daniel at Sight and Sound. We're going to have a dinner at an Amish family farm. Uh, this is, once again, May 6th through 8th, 2024. If you're interested, we're going to have a brief meeting after church on Sunday night, okay? You've got to be at the meeting if you're interested in coming, okay? Or see me if you have any questions. But that's a meeting this Sunday night after church, October 8th. Our Wednesday life groups restart next Wednesday, a week from tonight. Grief, share, divorce, care, and parenting. Please, if you're interested in these classes, they're very, very much a help, and they'll help you. Um, they're for our community, and they're for our church as well. Grief, share, divorce, care, and parenting at the Information Center. Please put your name down there. If you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet there for you. And then lastly, and we'll get you home, Friend Day. How many of you lift your hand big and high in the air if you've already given an invitation, or you've shared the Facebook invitation, or you've or you've invited someone, a friend, raise your hand big and high. That's wonderful. That's great. If you plan to, you did wonderful with this Sunday night. Grab a stack of friend day cards at the table. Let's get the word out and let's pray and ask God to do a great work in our community. For our kids candy outreach, we need about 20 more people that would volunteer to decorate the trunk of your car. Please sign up at the outreach table and let's ask God to do a great work. Thank you for bringing candy. Please bring some more. We need a whole lot more, okay? And let's ask God to do a great work. Thank you for being patient. Brother Chris, come pray for us. If you're looking forward to Sunday, say amen. Let's ask God to do a great work. Pray for us, brother. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for this good day. We thank you for this message tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you're there uh, with us as we face the enemy. We praise you for that. Lord, we praise you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for all the things you do for us. I pray for these uh, days that are coming up, Friend Day and then the candy outreach that you'll bless there, that souls will be saved.